0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature.
1: It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to The Shape's of Stories, a podcast with me, Lawrence Prestige as your host. Stories come in all shapes and sizes, whether it be from our favourite books, our life experiences, or the day-to-day challenges and issues we face in the world today. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Shapes of Stories with me, Lawrence Prestige. Yeah, and a really exciting um, episode for you guys today. Quite spontaneous, actually. It all happened uh, quite uh, <laughs> quite quickly. Um, but thank you to everyone that was able to arrange this for me to have a chat with the wonderful... Eddie Izzard, um, yeah, she was really amazing to talk to, um, you know, she talked about she, well, she was running on the treadmill, in case for those just listening, um, and wondering what she, what the sort of panting and everything is about, and um, yeah, she's running on the, uh, the treadmill, um, for the cause to make humanity great again, and, um, yeah, it was just one wonderful talk to her. We we covered a lot of things. We do we talked about um Joe Biden and um, being the new president president of the United States. We talked about um her her comedy career, how she got started out and some of her influences. And we talked about her coming out um as trans in 19 in the 1980s. Um, so yeah, really wonderful talking to Eddie, and um, yeah, I look forward to sharing the conversation I had with her for you guys. Um, but yeah, before we start, just be sure to follow us out on Facebook, and you can follow us on Facebook under The Shapes of Stories, <clears throat> or you can follow my personal page on Lawrence Prestige as well, or you can follow us on Twitter at The Shapes of Stories, and you can follow us on Instagram, on just, well, me on Instagram, under Prestige Books. Uh, but without further ado, here's my chat with the wonderful Eddie Izzard. Hi, Lawrence. Hi, Eddie. How are you doing?
0: Okay, sorry about the delay there. Just having to strap my. No,
1: car. That, that's absolutely fine. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the Shapes and Stories podcast. And how are you? How are you feeling? How, how's the, the toe, the leg, um, the, the foot? How's it all feeling? How's it all going?
0: Toe is in a holding pattern on the left foot. Beak. Quad <laughs> is in a holding pattern. They're all kind of in a holding pattern. They're not. Uh, they're not laughing every time we do get one bit goes better the outside of the left right foot is just aching i don't know i don't know quite what it is um and uh yeah just exhaustion you know you start exhausted and you finish exhausted actually you start the 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 marathon feeling kind of all right because you haven't been running for since i finished last night but uh you think, oh, I don't feel too bad. but As soon as you get going, you go, oh god, <laughs> this again. And uh, so I found I have to walk to start off. I can't go straight into running. It just well, did
1: you have a did you have a good um, bit of a boost earlier today when you found out you've raised over a hundred thousand pounds? That must have been a nice yeah, little feeling. Great,
0: that's, that's a wonderful nice thing to jump over that <laughs> over a hundred thousand pounds. Was your one hundred fifteen thousand euros and about one hundred forty-five thousand US dollars? So, yeah somewhere in that area so we're heading up towards 150 grand now and uh still got 11 or oh, marathons to go and the people the way people do seem to donate towards the end it sort of ramps up Brilliant. rather alarming a good alarming as opposed to bad alarming. you just suddenly goes my god where's this going for? <laughs> it's like around the world you race. Yeah. no one's really bothered in the middle <laughs> no one really yeah 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 whatever towards the end they go my God, is this happening? <laughs> is this really happening? And uh, and then everyone gets into it. So, yeah, I struggle away. And the gig at the end of the night—that's the yeah. curious thing. Never done that before. Well, I tried it a bit at the end of my February marathons, but um, I fall asleep in the middle of lines. It is very hard. And uh, I have to do a German show after this Saturday show. When oh, I do, oh bit, wow! <laughs> I know, I know. My third language, my virtual. Run my virtual marathon in for Berlin, in uh, in Germany, and then I do my show Alice auf Deutsch, Put Albert my down hand. here. It's my show auf Deutsch, and uh, there is a weird delight I get out of doing it in second and third languages because I sort of go out of body. Um, I'm talking about this thing of lists. So if you think about it, someone goes into comedy, you might expect them, okay, they're stand up, they get their stand up career going, that's good, and then and. Even if you're not in comedy, you think, well, what comes next? Probably a sketch show. sketch show or a panel game, and then you might get a sitcom, Mm -hmm. your own sitcom, and then comedy films. That's the list, you know? That's the going up the mountain. Yeah. There is is no left turn built into it where you start performing in French, German, and Spanish. (laughs) That is not there. I decided to put it there. Uh, And you don't, when you start doing it, they don't care you know they don't say oh you're big you're big in, in UK okay we have known about this you have to get them all over again you start all over again very humbling it's a second language so you're like a child but the reward back is this ninja training in comedy mm-hmm. if you could do a show in French if you can improvise in French or German and or German then surely the English show is like easy peasy lemon squeezy compared to that yeah so You've helped yourself in this very weird way. I like to liken it to running around, the, you know, like the Olympic racetrack, any big racetrack. And in the, those longer races, there's people on the inside, surely that's a shorter distance. And there's the people on the outside, and that's obviously a longer distance, And they start ahead, the people on the outside. But I like to imagine I'm starting behind or equal to the people on the inside, but I have to run an extra third as fast. I have to go faster, further than the people at the inside just to get to the straight and narrow.
1: Yeah. That's, that's a, a good training to do. That sounds it, yeah. Well, but you talk about your your comedy there. Um, who, who were your sort of comedy influences growing up who you sort of looked up to?
0: Um, Oh, can I just say one quick thing? Oh, yeah, sure.
1: Uh,
0: I know it's in the middle of your podcast, but I'm saying it out to the world in general. You can snip <laughs> it out if you want. But I'm doing social media questions on my social media at 3.30. I forgot to mention this. And that is on the corner. Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. So 3.30 London time, I'll be taking your questions. Sorry, I'm in the middle of that. That's absolutely fine. Now, influences in comedy. Um, Monty Python are the big gods on Mount Olympus. Mm -hmm. They were were always... uh, They they weren't necessarily the first I was watching. I, I do remember early Benny Hill was really quite out there. It could be quite out there. He did stuff on, on European. He could speak French. He was out there, but then it got stuck into, he was doing all the writing and the performing, and the Benny Hill, the women who would be dancing with it, it was all kind of a bit complex, so they all went kind of into a strange place there. So when I was younger, there was that, and there was the goodies, and a number of comedic things. Loved more and Wise, but when I, once I discovered Python, I sort of took off with that. And I discovered The Goons, which people in Britain will know, is a radio comedy series from the 50s that hugely influenced Python. And I discovered them both at the same time. So I was buying, I was listening to uh, cassettes, um, audio of Python and audio of The Goons, which is uh, Peter Sellers, Spike Milligan, Harry Secombe, at the same time, which is quite a surreal injection. And the difference is, if people, people want to, you know, my comedy say, very influenced by Python, anyone who's in this kind of area I'm in, we might be considered more the alternative comedians, like alternative music, alternative bands. And what you've got to be to be our audience is you have to have already seen all the standard comedy that's going, all the, here comes the joke and here's it, you know, in that kind of standard way. And then you see that enough, you think, okay, that's great. But what else can we do with it? Mm -hmm. All the alternative comedians and alternative musicians and the independent filmmakers, we're all, we're we're playing with the medium. We're playing with the whole thing. And and it leaves some mainstream audiences just don't know what the hell we're doing. Mm -hmm. But I love it because it's so weird. Python is very silly, but also very intelligent behind the silliness. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's what... I wanted to do yeah.
1: Well, with comedy now do you have to like ever work when you're sort of writing or thinking of coming up with material do you have to do you worry about offending anyone now because I think we're like in a transition where you kind of see you know for little Britain for example that got kicked off Netflix because people complaining and stuff do you ever have those worries when about offending anyone with your writing
0: I don't know if you if you've tracked my comedy much but I would I'm offending Hitler <laughs> Nazis extreme right-wing people.
1: yeah
0: I'm happy to do that because they are if you add up say all the people in the Nazi High command, that's not a huge amount of people, but they were a power minority. power minorities there. the monarchy as well. General monarchy, I say the monarchy in our country, you'll be judged by what you do in life. I think Charles has done good stuff I think uh, William and Harry have done good stuff. and I, I look at it that hereditary privilege, obviously a very bad example to our children. So I'm against that. So I will talk about that. But I don't go in and say, someone who's from cancer, my mom died of cancer, why would I take uh, make fun of those people? Why would I make fun of black people, uh, other minorities, LGBT people? I'm T of the LGBT. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's having a positive attitude. They talk about political correctness. That is a censorship kind of idea. It's actually worded wrong. It should be called positive attitude. Have a positive attitude in your comedy. And if you are saying things which is inspiring hate against a powerless minority group or less powerful minority groups, um, that's just not good and it's, it's bordering into hate crimes.
1: Yeah. So, so is it's is it a bit like punching up rather than punching down, I guess.
0: Yeah. You know, it's certain people are minorities. You know, it's the super rich. <laughs> the super rich, I'll go as much as you want. They've got yeah. all this money. They are a minority, but they are a powerful minority. So, I think it's the articulation of what the problem is there. And if you say, well, you, you need the right to be able to say anything, which is the freedom of speech idea, I understand that, but we also have hate crime. So, if you're inciting hatred, if you're saying, here's an idea, and I encourage it, it does encourage people to think, I'm giving you permission, here's me hating and, and, and making fun of a group who in a less powerful position, and have been had, had that done throughout centuries, if not millennia that encourages other people. I thought I wasn't supposed to be racist and sexist anymore. So let's go back in and do that again. Trump did that. Trump gave permission for people to be racist and sexist again. And uh, they're talking about disenfranchisement. And you think, what is the franchise? The franchise is society. Mm -hmm. And some people have disenfranchised themselves by insisting on being racist and sexist. I'm not really talking about uh, performing here. I'm just talking about in life. Mm They still want to be racist, still want to be sexist. They want to be white supremacists. That is not part of society. And you have moved into the area of hate crimes, inciting hatred, encouraging violence, or the threat of violence against people. And I'm against that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't feel that is yeah. the play.
1: Well, were, were you quite confident that you know Joe Biden would win the election? Or were you, was there a worry that you thought that Trump might have his followers, that there'd be enough of them to, to get a second term? Or did you, were you quite confident?
0: No, quite confident is the right word, I'd say, because mm-hmm. I'd have to be studying it minute by minute, be an expert on the numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, I hoped, you know, three million, interestingly, three million voted for Hillary more yeah. than voted for Trump, and then seven million voted more for Joe Biden than Trump. So he, he lost on the popular vote twice. And I think there's more goodwill than ill will in the world. That's what I hope. Mm -hmm. And maybe those figures show it. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's it. Maybe sometimes it's only 55% to 45% the difference between the goodwill and the ill will in the world. But I don't believe in a mystical God. If there is one, fantastic, but you should have been down for World War II and stopped the 60 million dying. Then if they're not coming to stop 60 million dying, they won't come for COVID. They won't come for the next one. They wouldn't come for SARS. SARS. Mm-hmm. Uh, it didn't come for Ebola, it didn't come for Spanish flu, mystical gods don't seem to help. So it seems more polite to say that they don't exist than that they do exist, but they just hate human beings and are happy to let children die. And so I just, that's how I look at it, but I work, I'm happy to work with anyone of any faith if they want to work with people. Mm-hmm. That's my thing, humanity, that's what I link up with, and a lot of people of faith do great work in the community, helping people. I mean, in Georgia, we've got a reverend who's obviously a wonderful guy, who's been preaching in the same church that Martin Luther King did, senior and junior. And now he is the first, I believe, first black senator from Georgia, absolutely. And if you know the history of their civil war, that is just, wow, that is just wow. Reverend Warnock there. So uh, hopefully, you know, we do, we seem to go three steps forward one step back, sometimes two steps forward, one step back. Um, and I was talking about earlier, the good thing about, hopefully about humanity is that even with the Nazis, when they took things like 93 steps backwards, back to medieval ideas of torture and murder at the drop of a hat for no reason. Once Conrad Ardenau got in as the new chancellor in 45 and uh, in a free Germany, it, all the all the human rights bounced right right back to wherever they were for the rest of uh developed countries so we do snap back joe biden's going to snap things back mm-hmm. the paris accord he's going to re-sign Boom, we're back going against climate change yeah and, well, uh, off
1: well, his, and run. his ignore um, his ceremony yesterday was was you know it was it was just really nice because it was just about just about as much as about him that it was um kamala harris as well and that was that was really refreshing because Trump's ignoration. It was raining when he started to talk, you know, it was all about Trump. But yesterday the sun was shining and it was really nice to see, you know, learn about more about Kamala Harris as well. Who, do you see her perhaps, perhaps succeeding Joe Biden, I suppose, as the president?
0: Well, this is it. I mean, Joe's going to run whatever he wants to run. <laughs> and he is a more senior gentleman. But Kamala, that by, by the way, it's, you have to, we worked on this. You have to emphasize the first syllable of her name. It's Kamala. Oh, Kamala. OK. Uh, it's Kamala.
1: Carmela. Like, Carmela, got
0: you. Yeah, Carmela. Put a dash after the A, Carmela. Got it. Um, <laughs> like it, but, um, but uh, yeah, her mother is, is South Asian and her father is African-American. What's not to love? This is a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Showing kids around the world, yes, your your, the, the, your heritage will you have strong genes. It's the strength of the blend of your genetics, not the purebred. Mm-hmm. Anyone's right-wing... Extreme right wingers talking about the purebred. It's wrong. That's talk that causes inbreeding and there is no such thing we are all either immigrants or historical immigrants and You know her, her dad is Is African-American her mother is South Asian She is vice president the first woman vice president in America, and it's great having had Barack Obama being a a, a, a um, African-American president and then she's a vice president who has Uh, an African-American father. I just think that's a wonderful thing, a great inspiration to young children growing up from anywhere in the world, Mm -hmm. you know, and they look at that and think, yeah, things can move forward again.
1: Yeah. With with Donald Trump, do you think that we've perhaps seen the last of him, like, you know, when he talks about the election being rigged and things like this, do you think he believes his own kind of bullshit? or, Or do you think he's just putting out lies? Or do you think he generally believes those things?
0: It's quite a fine thing. He has lied so much. It's like a child. I think I went through a lying phase as a child, um, and I caught myself short at one point and I stopped. You know, you say things, and it makes you look good. And he's lied upon lied upon lied upon lie. Such a pile of lies. Such a such a bath. Such a lake of lies. You know, it's a ridiculous amount in his cold, objective moments at the back of his brain, he must know that these are all lies because he sits there and makes them up. Mm -hmm. I mean, he even lies when he doesn't have to. Someone mentioned this thing that we saw in the Kim Jong-un in North Korea. I've got a letter from Kim Jong-un and he says wonderful things about me. And the journalist says, what does he say, Mr. President? And Trump came back with, I don't know, I haven't read it. What? Why why lie? Mm -hmm. Why not read the bloody thing and then find out? Yeah. He just lied. Because obviously in that lie is the essence of him. He says wonderful things about me. I am a wonderful person. This is what he's trying to say with every lie he does. I won. He says, I won. It's the big lie. This is the, the interesting thing. If you add up all the, the standard lies, little lies, whatever lies, that's one thing. But Goebbels, Joseph Goebbels, head of propaganda for Hitler in the Nazis. And he said the big lie. If you lie big enough... People believe it. It's got to be so big that it seems unusual that you would state that if you haven't got proof of it. And Hitler did this lie after lie after lie of it's a Jewish people, international Jew. The Jews and the Bolsheviks, he blamed the Jews for being full of about money and they're working with the Bolsheviks all about no one having money. And they were working together because of what? It was illogical, let alone nonsensical and a lie. They just kept saying it until a lot of people in Germany and Australia just went along with it. So people who, there are a number of people who they want to get on with their lives. They don't want to have to sift through everything from politics. So if someone is saying quite categorically, this is true, it's the big lie. Mm-hmm. And that's what he did. Uh, and he has been caught in this. You saw him on the telephone call saying to the uh, Republican official in Georgia, I'd like you to find me 11,000 votes and then I'll be president again. It actually wouldn't even make him president. I'd like you to do this. Can you please break the law? This is what's going on. I won big there. It's obvious. I know we got proof. We won't show you the proof. I'd send out Rudy Giuliani with no, Rudy Giuliani was a a hero, a world hero and now a world laughing stock. And his hair bleeds, his hair bleeds dark blood. (laughs) That was, I mean, it's just off the off the scales. Yeah. Oh so, Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, Bush Bush Junior. We thought was a tough old time, but this was ridiculous.
1: Yeah, I mean, you've talked about your comedy heroes briefly, and I just wanted to actually ask you um, because one of my comedy heroes is Robin Williams. I knew that. I know that you know Robin, where well, you knew Robin, you know, um, personally yeah. and professionally. And what was he? What was sort of influence was he to you? I guess as a person and as a, as a comedian. He was. He was a great life force, and it was so tragic
0: that he felt it going away. He had this disease that he didn't know he had. I mean, it mm-hmm. was just—I don't know whether substance abuse that he did to himself, whether that rolled into the um, the disease he had at the end. But um, I was told at a stand-up workshop when I was learning in the winter of '87 and uh, the beginning of 88, about Robin Williams. He's amazing, amazing. And I hadn't seen any of Robin. So I'd already had my comedy uh, uh, foundations laid with Python, with the Goons, with Richard Pryor's stand-up and Billy Connolly stand-up. Yeah. Those were the people I went into it. And I discovered Robin just as I was starting out. And he was so fast. And so this, to that, to this, to that. And I thought, I can't do that. So I was impressed by it, but um, I didn't think I'm going that way. And then I did a film um, uh, with uh, which he was in, but it's a serious film. And it was, uh, he was that I gave him my, my, my video the first time I met him. It was quite a moment, actually. I walked up to him, and he was in his costume playing the professor in a Conrad's. Joseph Conrad uh, story, and uh, he's. I said, uh, Mr. Robin Williams, and he said, Mr. Eddie is a. And I thought, God, do you know my name? How do you know my name? And and I said, well, It's great to meet you. And I have got this. Can you watch it? It's such a stupid thing to say, really. Can you watch my video the first minute I meet you? <laughs> he, he went and watched it immediately, and he was referring it later to it later in the day, and it was beautiful. So I saw him from time to time. Very welcoming. He became producer for my show when I was on playing San Francisco and uh, Los Angeles in 1998, doing my show Dress to Kill, and that went on to get two Emmys. And you know, so it was a real the ramp up in America. And he was very helpful there. And he'd come along, and Tom Waits would come along, and the mayor of the Mayor of San Francisco. Sean Penn and crazy. i got a picture of me, Sean Penn and Robert Williams in my house. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, and if you google, Robin Williams, Gary Shandling, Billy Crystal and my name, you'll get a photo with all four of us in it. Which
1: uh, that
0: would, yeah, do because it's Robin Williams. Um, Man of the Century, I think, was his film that's opening. And I was there, just happened to be there, invited to the after party. <laughs> And suddenly, and Gary Shandling's, is kind of weird, because I didn't know Gary's stuff before. His stuff was wild enough there. And Billy Crystal's, I did, I was watching, actually, I, haven't, I haven't told this to Billy, but I used to watch him. I used to break into school, into a, a school building to watch him in soap and all the other guys. I uh, We had no television The boarding school, but there was one that was in the center of the school. But they locked it up, but I'd leave the window open so I could... Just a jar so i could crawl in the window get in and watch soap which was i was not supposed to do i forgot about that i've got to tell that to billy so yeah it's just it's an honor to know that's what you want to do you want to know people in comedy world and in the drama world uh who whose work you admire working with judy dench with uh, george clooney um with Jim Broadbent, and my next film coming out six minutes to midnight on the 26th of March. Um, it's just an honour to be there, and I would pay to be there. You actually get paid for doing it, but I would pay to be there. Uh, that's kind of how I judge my acting gigs. Yeah. You know, Victoria and Abdul. I'm playing Edward the <laughs> Seventh. Judy's playing a uh, Queen Victoria. How much would I pay to do that? Just if that was the system, <laughs> just a lot. It was just a, such a joyous thing.
1: Yeah, you know. amazing. Yeah. So I mean, you you came out as trans in in the eighties, but I suppose like have you have you seen a, a progression since then? Because I can only imagine it must have been pretty scary to decide to come out in the eighties during that period.
0: It it was it was um it was 1985, and I was scared as all hell, mm-hmm. but I also well, I'd wanted to be in the forces beforehand, and then if you're in the forces, you've got to go through very scary things. People are shooting at you. So no one was shooting at me. Um, threats of violence in the street, yes. People shouting abuse at you, yes. But I thought, you know, this is what, this is my selection. This is my trial by fire. It's best to come out. Let's talk about it. Let's get the conversations going. Other activists have been out before and done amazing things, always sporadically, little by little. But I thought I'm the right, I knew since I was five years old. So my career was nowhere. Interestingly, if my career and comedy had taken off in the early eighties, as I hoped it would, I wouldn't have done it. Maybe I still wouldn't be out, but it wasn't anywhere. So the fate, I think fate was saying to me, no, we're holding you back. You've got to learn to get your work good and we need you to come out. So I came out then. Go through whatever battles you had, the psychological battles, much better for your mental health,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: which I never quite linked it to mental health. But I say it is. It's all about mental health. You're out, you're talking about it. Someone shouts, we hate you, your horrible thing. I mean, people, someone stood right in front of me and said to me, pointing at me, literally about 10 centimeters away and saying, what the fuck is that? They said that Mm -hmm. to me. And you know, and other people had worse stuff, and they've had fights and stuff. And I've had fights in the street, but it's now a hate crime. And I reported some guy recently. What two years ago to uh, police? They took it very seriously. They said this could be a hate crime. Passed it on to the Orange Crown Prosecution Service, who did a very professional, took it on very professionally, and and the person was prosecuted and uh, have a restraining order against them. I do believe so. It, it, things do get better. 2014 was the tipping point mm-hmm. in America. America's great at doing things and sending out the message. And they had a t- TV series called Transparent that was winning awards left, right, and center. And there was Caitlyn Jenner got the front of Van- Vanity Fair. And so that was uh, her transition, her story. That was a big one for America. We didn't know her so well, but you know, Vanity Fair gave it front and center. And then Laverne Cox, A black uh, African American I should say Uh, actor in Orange Is the New Black, and a great uh, trans activist, and uh, Laverne, um, she uh, got Woman of the Year, Person of the Year I think Time does Person of the Year now, Um, and that was great. They were all in 2014 I believe, so that was the the tipping point.
1: Yeah. And, I mean, how, how would you like for us as a humanity, I suppose, to emerge from COVID-19 once we're able to get past this virus? How, I mean, how do you think we can progress as humanity post-COVID?
0: Well, this is the interesting point. Look, a number of people are saying we're going to go even more right-wing. There's going to be difficult economic situations, and people are going to get more and more nationalistic. My country is better than you. We don't like you. But the rest of us, uh, me and anyone else wants to make humanity great again, and realize we've got to make the whole world work. This, this century has got to be about making a fair chance in life should be the right of every person in the world. Just a fair chance in life, mm-hmm. not a free life, not to get covered with gold and have millions of houses, just a fair chance in life. And that's gotta be what everyone fights for. Mm-hmm. And if we don't learn from COVID that we should talk to each other and next time something comes, we all do what's the best idea that we've worked out how to do it. If we don't do that, we, that's going to make it so hard for us. Mm-hmm. We need to link together. We need to against terrorism, against drug tra- trafficking, human trafficking, uh, defense, a whole load of things. So the idea, of, you know, some people say, come and let's retreat uh, into isolation. Um, I disagree entirely. I think we are going to make even stronger connections than we did before because the rest of it, half our country wants to separate out and half our country wants to make even stronger connections. So I'm part of that group. And it's just like, you know, some people were with Trump, but a lot of people weren't. And uh, so uh, I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight for our, our country, our continent and our world. And
1: I want to be in politics, so I want to get a seat in Parliament. I was just about to say, we need you running for Prime Minister. Then That should be a piece of cake, the amount of running you're doing right now.
0: <laughs> and there are different types of running. I'm going to fight for Keir Starmer to be Prime Minister mm. in the next election. And uh, uh, Boris Johnson is there, and he has used a lot of Trump techniques, lying when he thought it was suitable, uh, lying when he thought he could get away with it. And he can't take those back. And that just sits there. So... Uh, I don't trust him. Mm -hmm. And uh, not a good example to kids growing up. Mm -hmm. So the rest of us, we've just got to try and be positive examples. Yeah.
1: Well, Eddie, it's been amazing talking to you today. I know you've got some social media questions you need to get to. Um, Before before I go, um, my my brother and his girlfriend are a massive fan of you. They come to your shows and I haven't seen them for a while because of lockdown. I don't suppose you could give a quick shout out to Daniel and Charlotte.
0: Daniel and Charlotte, hello, how are you? I hope
1: you're staying safe.
0: Best wishes. And, uh, yeah, uh, try and find things you can, you can do to occupy your mind, keep yourself healthy during these COVID times, and then hopefully we'll get through it out
1: the other end soon. Thank you very much. You've made a popular big brother. Thank you. Eddie, you're an inspiration. Keep doing your thing, and let's hope that that total out of the money keeps rising up. Thank you so much. Absolutely.
0: Cheers. Take care.
1: Take care. So there we have it—a wonderful chat there with Eddie Izzard. I was so lucky to be able to talk to her, and thank you um, to everyone that managed to arrange that chat with her. It was very spontaneous; <laughs> um, sort of came up last minute, and we had a sort—we of, had a slot that we had to kind of fill. Um, but yeah, it was great that I got the opportunity to, to talk to her, and hopefully in the future, we will be able to get her on again and have a kind of longer chat where she's not um, panting away too much and you know in pain, like she's been struggling with her leg and her foot and her toe. So, um, yeah, I hope what she's doing is amazing. Lots of people want to talk to her at the minute as she's um, running for the cause to make humanity great again, running a marathon every day in January. Um, To learn more about that cause, you can learn about it on YouTube. Just type in make humanity great again, Eddie Izzard. And you can find out more on her website, um, uh, which is eddieizard.com. Um, so yeah, really great cause. Be sure to check that out. Be sure to check us out as well. You can find us at Shapes of Stories on Twitter and you can find me on Twitter at lprestige 7 or on Instagram at Prestige Books. But thanks guys for tuning in. Hope to bring you more episodes soon. And um, yeah, just be safe. You know, we're living in strange times, but it's great to have uh, someone as, as inspiring as Eddie to kind of lift up our hopes. Take care and I'll see you next time.